Hi, and welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. So this is our second episode in our Share Month series. We know that you guys love these episodes, so we're taking a deep dive on four shares. And this week's episode is on A2 Milk. Yeah, we've gone from cars, electric vehicles, to, to milk. milk. Yeah. But both apparently innovative. (laughs) But we'll get into that in a second. But we would like to get any questions you have for our Q&A episode. So you can send them to my email address, which is in the show notes, or you you can make- a feature on the podcast. Yeah. If you want to potentially be on the podcast and make Shawnee happy, (laughs) you can send it through our voicemail system, Mm -hmm. which is also in the show notes. It is, yes. So yeah, we would love to hear from you. All right. Shall we get into the episode? Yeah, people people want to hear about this milk. <laughs> what is so good about this milk? <laughs> All right, so A2 is a licensor and marketer of fresh milk, infant formula, and other dairy products that lack the A1 beta casein protein. It's classified as a mid-growth stock in the consumer defensive sector, and it has a market cap of about $3.2 billion and is included in the ASX 200 index. In terms of A2's business, dairy cows naturally produce two beta casein proteins in their milk, A1 and A2. And these two proteins differ uh, in cows naturally and by one amino acid. A2 milk is produced by cows that naturally produce milk only containing the A2 protein. And how A2 milk determines this is by genetic testing, which is done to build herds of supply. Yeah. So I I had a lot of questions about how this, (laughs) because I imagine people wandering around the field testing these cows and then like you need to segregate the cows. But Shani told me no. They put microchips in the cows. Yeah, to so determine whether it's an A2 cow. An A2 or an A1 cow. And then when the cows wander in mm. to be milked, I guess, and then you segregate them because you don't want to mix up the bottles. I imagine so. Yeah. So I haven't spent much time on a farm, <laughs> to be honest. No, but can you imagine these A2 cows probably have a bit of an attitude? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's, uh, let's get back into milk. So some sud- studies have suggested that the A1 protein may be associated with serious health issues, although the A2 milk company asserts that milk with only the A2 protein, which is what they sell, may positively affect digestive function. All right. So it's a company that sells products and byproducts of dairy with the A2 beta casein protein, claiming that it has health benefits over dairy that hasn't been separated and contains the A contains A1 and A2. So how successful is their business and what are the major products that they sell? So their business has been pretty successful because of these, of course, perceived health benefits of A2 milk. It's helped to expand market share in Australian fresh milk, as well as infant formula in Australia and China, where they launched A2 Platinum in 2013. And that's all pretty rosy. But they also did this while pricing their products at a premium price point. So in Australia, A2 milk is around double the price of private label offerings, and it's the same with baby formula. A2 Platinum is more expensive in Australia and China versus other leading brands. All right. So milk and baby formula are their main offering, and they specialize in dairy products. What do we see as products and prospects and challenges for their business? Well, one is keeping those cows separated, yeah. right? That's that's an important one. If, if those microchips fall out, Who knows? what do you do? You're back to Anarchy. square one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anarchy <laughs> in the cow pasture. <laughs> All right. Well, in the medium term, we see the most attractive growth prospects in the Chinese market. Our analyst, Angus, who covers the stock, expects A2 to increase market share in China 
owing to further acceptance and demand for exactly what A2 is selling, A2 protein milk. And there's also a lot of demand for foreign brands in China, which is also propping demand further. But thinking a bit more longer term, we have to be cognizant that the population boom that we all know about in China is not exponential. We're not going to see to the same extent as what we've been seeing. Population boom supporting demand is not going to go away completely, but we can expect a pullback as birth rates decline in China. Yeah, the one child policy, mm. which I think they've gotten rid of at this point. I think that my mother thought she was in China, and so she had a one-child policy, and look how screwed up I am. I think she just had so much love to give you, Mark, that she didn't want to have somebody else. Yeah, Shani's a big fan of my mother, so I can't say anything about her without Shani getting upset. (laughs) So what normally happens in any lucrative market is we, of course, see competition when somebody's doing well. And ATU is being stacked up against more and more competitors, including well-established brands that are launching infant formulas. The way that A2 has structured its distribution also raises some concerns about their ability to capitalize on high growth periods. They only use a handful of suppliers and that could limit the availability of their product when we're seeing increased demand in the market. Okay, so promising demand and pricing power, but there are factors that will impact the extent of the demand and the pricing power like slowing birth rates and new competitors. How are A2 able to hold up against these challenges? Well, this is where we look at sustainable competitive advantages or moats that businesses may have to help them to protect earnings and keep competitors at bay. And as we know, these are called moats. So when we look at A2, we see a narrow economic moat. And this means that we expect A2 to maintain their competitive advantages for at least the next 10 years, maintaining a high margin and earning superior returns on invested capital which is ultimately what we're looking for in quality companies. And as a quick refresher, there are five sources of moat that Morningstar has identified. Intangible assets, switching costs, network effect, cost advantage, and efficient scale. We believe that A2 has a narrow economic moat based on its strong brand intangible assets. As we mentioned, the brand strength is strongly linked to the A2 protein that people associate with quality and perceived health benefits. And A2 is really strong brand positioning in Australia, but particularly in the Chinese infant formula market. And that's given them the ability to charge a premium price. When we look at market share, the infant formula market share in China increased 2.5% in fiscal 2021 at retail and more than 21% through e-commerce. That trend has been pretty similar with the fresh milk product. The share of the Aussie market has increased to more than 12%. It was about 7% in fiscal 2013. That's low double-digit compounded annual growth rate, or CAGR, in a market that has overall grown about 3% a year. So pretty good. Another part of intangible assets is that they have exclusive rights to market the perceived benefits of A1 protein-free milk until 2023 under patent, along with several other pieces of IP and license approval to import its products into China under rules put in place starting in 2018, an accomplishment that Aussie organic milk competitor Bellamy's has struggled to achieve. Part of understanding a company and whether it is attractive is understanding how it makes money. So we'll speak a little bit about the current price and our valuation for A2 towards the end of this episode. But it's important to recognize that when looking at a prospective investment, we're assessing it firstly for its ability to produce sustainable and strong earnings and profit. Then we're looking for an investment where there is a misalignment between the expectations from the market, the price, and the prospective success. So let's take a look at how the business is structured. For A2, the business strategy supports sky-high returns on invested capital. The company doesn't actually produce its own milk. What it does is it contracts with local dairy farmers or third-party producers to produce milk from genetically tested cows that do not produce the A1 protein. 
The milk is then processed at A2-owned sites for fresh milk in Australia, but for infant formula for the Aussie, Chinese, and New Zealand market is produced by Sinlift, of which A2 owns almost 20%. It's produced by Fonterra for dairy in potential growth markets, and for the U.S., it's using third-party partners. That makes A2 extremely capital light considering the business that they're running. And the return on invested capital has increased to more than 100%, including goodwill in fiscal 2020, from low single digits in fiscal 2015. Looking into the future, we're expecting A2 to continue growing with solid long-run margins without really needing any sizable capital to keep this going. This will lead to returns averaging 30% through fiscal 2026, according to our analyst Angus's model. This is a pretty good scenario, and I think we have to acknowledge that A2's ability to keep cost downs and to keep their business capital light also means that they're reliant on third parties to keep their business going. These businesses are huge contributors to the cost advantage that A2 has, but it's important to keep in mind that these are not contracts that continue into perpetuity. And A2 has signed medium-term contracts with both suppliers. Fonterra is set up on a rolling three-year basis, and Sinlat runs through fiscal 2025. At this point, the contracts will be reassessed and surely will have to be locked in again. All right, so A2 is extremely profitable and it's gaining market share. So what are the risks? Well, the reason that we've given it a narrow moat and not a wide moat is competition. There's formidable competition in China's infant formula market coming from companies much like A2 that have great, credible brands and many consumers view as trustworthy. When we're thinking about baby formula, you'd imagine, and it is the case, that Trump that Trump's price in most cases. And this has been this has really been exacerbated by food safety scares in recent years. It's also extremely difficult for A2 to compete on a marketing and promotional level with these international brands that are coming into the market, like Nestle, Danone, and Reckitt Benkinsel. A2 is minuscule compared to these operations, and this could effectively erode market share as they can't compete at the same level. And we also spoke about how the patents for key genetic testing and promotion gave A2 a significant advantage over competitors. Well, those patents aren't forever, and competitors like Nestle are rubbing their hands together and after blood, or milk in this case. (laughs) Nestle has launched a product called A2, spelt A-T-W-O, that is an A2 protein-free infant formula in 2018, and Danone launched an A2 rival as well. A2 thinks that this doesn't even come close to spelling disaster and that it actually helps their cause. They think that these developments help a wider adoption of A2 products and take market share from traditional offerings, which will help them in the long run. But what we as investors need to consider is whether these products become substitutes for one of A2's main revenue streams. Morningstar Investor is built for investors by investors. It provides independent research and data on over 40,000 securities, tools to build and maintain an investment portfolio, and investor education resources to support you, regardless of where you are in your investing journey. Explore opportunities with our monthly global best ideas. Explore our ETF model portfolios. Plan better with two years of dividend forecasts for ASX-listed stocks. And stay informed with independent thought leadership. We've built tools to help you construct, monitor, and maintain your portfolio, including our Portfolio Manager, integrated with one of Australia's leading portfolio tracking tools, ShareSite. Morningstar has been empowering investor success for over 35 years. We're passionate about your outcomes and are here every step of the way as you achieve them. 
Take out a free four-week trial to access our resources. Find the details in the episode notes. So let's explore a bear market case for this scenario. It's worth noting that Nestle's A2, TWO, is priced at a significant premium to A2 Platinum, which is A2's infant milk formula. (laughs) So lots of A2s here. (laughs) But a situation where we see that Nestle and Danone become substitutes and reduce A2's market share and returns on invested capital to 24% in 10 years' time, return on invested capital remains well above the estimated 10% 10% weighted average cost of capital. The base case for A2 that our analysts have concluded assumes a 40% return on invested capital. So it is a very conservative argument with A2 still returning strong results. One part of A2's business that's the elephant in the room is its actual foundation. A key risk could be whether there's future scientific developments or research that's conducted on the benefits of drinking milk that excludes the A1 protein, because as it stands, the Benefits are inconclusive. And A2 milk has been claiming that A1 protein consumption has serious negative side effects or reduced stomach discomfort for those with lactose sensitivity. And independent investigations and government bodies have not substantiated these claims. Isn't that your favorite thing? Yeah. <laughs> that they're going <laughs> the around. The whole business is based on something that's just completely inconclusive. Yeah. That they're going around testing these cows and yeah. separating them. <laughs> and they're selling their milk for double. And. Nobody's proven that any of this stuff is true. Well, anyway, the risk here is that the basis for their milk being double the price of other private labeled milks may disappear, of course, overnight. What we've seen, though, is that regardless of the fact that these are inconclusive studies, they've made sizable market share gains. And our analyst Angus believes that this will continue. And it's based on consumer experiences, anecdotes from consumers. So your mate's telling you that they're not getting stomach aches, as well as strong brand positioning, and that will protect A2's premium pricing. Even if the government comes around and tells A2, they may not be able to make those health claims anymore. So Shani, do you talk about stomach aches (laughs) that you get from milk with your mates to try to find a solution? Always. Okay. Well. Yeah, it comes up very, very often. Yeah. No, that's that's important. I think most people do. (laughs) Okay. So this is where the risk and uncertainty for the companies come in. When you're looking at a company, you have to consider how certain you are about the assumptions you've made about the future of a company. How certain are you of the prospects of the company? And we assign a high uncertainty rating to A2 because although the firm seems diversified in its offering, fresh milk, infant formula, other dairy products, A2 is basically a single product company as the demand for all these products really just hinges on the demand for A1 protein-free dairy. And Mark recently spoke at the ASA conference where he made a pretty good example of risk and uncertainty. If you look at Coke, the spectrum of future outcomes is relatively limited. You know, investing in Coke, that regardless of economic, social or governance changes, people will still be consuming Coke in three years' time. If you look at a biotech company that's seeking a patent for one drug and all they produce is one drug, the outcomes are vastly different. You're either going to be extremely successful or there is likely going to be no company in three years' time. I can't believe you listened to what I was saying at the conference. It's crazy. shocking. Yeah. Shani, Shani put down a cocktail for five minutes in Melbourne to listen to, uh, listen to what I had to say. So when we look at A2 and their outlook, especially as it's tied into their premium pricing, this, of course, hinges on how many consumers want to consume A1 protein-free dairy. We also know, as we spoke about, that it's a lucrative industry. So it's an extremely competitive field that is only going to become more competitive. A2 has had massive growth in China over the last few years. 
but they are still only holding a mid-single-digit sing- mid share of the fragmented Chinese infant care market, infant formula market. They do not take care of your babies, <laughs> but they will help you feed them. Maybe the cows would take care of your babies, the A2 cows. So as we said, Nestle and Danone are taking the lion's share of this market. And we do need to say Nestle is going out there with their fancy marketing team that can spend multiples on A2's marketing budget and market a product with the exact same name, just spelt differently. Two consumers, by the way, that don't speak English. So I don't know how much the spelling is going to matter in that situation. They do have English label and they have Chinese label. Okay. So there you go. Do you know the Chinese character for two? For A2. Well, for two versus spelling it out, T-W-O. I'm not sure, mate. Something to look into. Yeah. Well, we'll research that for you. All right, so let's move on to financial health and capital allocation. Uh, Analysts assign a capital allocation rating based on their assessment of balance sheet risk, investment efficacy, and shareholder distributions. And this is where investors acknowledge that a profitable company is not where the buck stops. Those profits still need to be allocated in an efficient way to create value for you as a shareholder. A2's got a standard capital allocation rating, and that's just middle of the road, sitting between a poor capital allocation and an exemplary capital allocation rating. When we look at A2's balance sheet, it's pretty sound. The company doesn't have any debt and only minimal operating lease obligations on the balance sheet. It's running the business without any real need for major capital expenditures. They don't really have any working capital requirements, so they generate a lot of free cash flow. And that converts to nearly 100% of net profit after tax to free cash, which is good. That sounds good. Yeah. So let's take a look at investment. The firm has expanded the infant formula business from basically nothing five years ago to the vast majority of earnings now, which has supported extremely healthy profitability and return on invested capital. But the company is transitioning from this growth phase and it's entering a phase where it's investing in substantial marketing and personnel management. This means that they have to be extremely diligent in managing returns and allocating capital, which they haven't really had to do to this extent in the past. And let's not hold back what really gets investors going, dividends. So A2 doesn't pay a dividend, but they have said that this is a potential use of future profits when they've matured. Our analyst thinks this is appropriate and prudent. There's significant growth available to the company through market share gains and management is outlined to invest with partners and product manufacturing to reduce supplier concentration. Those seem like value-creating endeavors for shareholders, and profits should be focused on those activities before paying a dividend. We reckon that dividends will start in fiscal 2024 at a 50% payout rate of net profits after tax. Okay, so that's A2 laid out. We think that they have a narrow moat that they've earned through brand and patents that they have, and that will protect and grow excess profits for at least the next 10 years. We do think think that they face some challenges, risk and uncertainty in terms of competitors eating into their market share, as well as whether the brand could survive regulations tightening on the health benefits that they spruik about A1 protein-free products. We also think that their supplier concentration is bittersweet. They could have cost increases once their contracts run out, but it is at a significant cost advantage to them as it stands. The bear market scenarios that we've run indicate that any loss in supplier increase in costs is recoverable by A2. In terms of capital allocation, we think that excess capital is being focused in the right places, growing and sustaining market share. Dividends seem appropriate in the future as the company matures. So let's get to what we're all here for. What do we think is the fair value for A2? We think that the fair value for A2 is $7.60 a share. 
So as of the 25th of May, it's trading at $4.39, a five-star stock at a 42% discount. We think the company is significantly undervalued, which is why it's on our May best ideas list. The market has punished A2. Earlier in May, it was at a five-year low of $3.90. It's recovered a little from there, but it has been tumbling since the July 2020 high of $20. We certainly don't think that the fair value is up at that price of $20, but what has happened in the last two years to warrant such a brutal reaction from the market? As investors, we must decide whether an 80% decline in share price is in line with 80% value to structure in the business. To start with, we think that the expectations for A2 were overstated by the market significantly, so shouldn't have been starting from that base. These expectations could not be met, and the drop was overstated, in our opinion. We do need to acknowledge, though, that our fair value has been lowered a couple of times in the last two years. Our fair value responds to any material events or information that impacts the company. So we do recognize that there were some events in the last two years that reduced our expectations for A2's future success. We lowered our revenue forecast for A2 due to inventory write-downs. A2 believed that it would have a much more rapid ascent in the share of the Chinese infant formula market, and this was found to be too optimistic. They had persistently high inventory through the sales channel, and that stifled reordering, led to aging of available product because it wasn't quickly moved out and sold, and that weighed on pricing. All in all, A2 was just too optimistic about the Chinese market. Although this inventory issue punished A2 in the short term, full-year sales in 2021 fell 30%, and net profit tumbled 77%. We do believe that over the long term, A2 will recover, and there has been no meaningful long-term impact to the brand position of A2 Milk. What it also contributed to the market reaction was a pretty woeful couple of years in managing expectations. In the 2021 financial year, we saw four earnings downgrades, final results that were at the lower end of results guidance, and missed consensus forecasts. But are these conditions that will continue for A2? We think not. A2 has a strong business, a strong balance sheet, and an economic moat. We have high uncertainty for the stock, but think that investors are compensated for that risk. Half of successful investing is finding good quality companies. The other half is finding them at a good price. We believe that A2 is significantly undervalued. We just think that there has been an overreaction to bad news, and that is always a buying opportunity for investors. As humans, we're hardwired to respond to fear and greed. When conditions aren't certain, when there's short-term pain, our immediate reaction is to stop the pain. But what investors should do is see past this and understand whether there's still a quality business there and whether the market reaction was justified. All right, we made it. This is the fourth one we've recorded today. We have, yeah. So we are punch drunk <laughs> like a baby who has just had A2 infant formula. Which that, one? Nestle or A2? Yeah, I don't know. Whichever one, whichever one the baby gets. Um, so yeah, we've talked a lot about cows. Um, so everybody, if you could just take a moment of your day to think about those cows that do not get the microchip and how they must feel about themselves and their self-esteem out there on the pastures of Australia, we would appreciate it. We'd also appreciate it if you left us a voicemail or sent us an email with questions for our Q&A episode. We will not be accepting questions about milk or baby <laughs> formula, but any other questions will do. And we'd love a comment or a rating on your podcast app. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. 
you should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.